0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 50 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. Show for this week will include Leslie Morse with an update on Tip Top's recovery. And we're also going to be hearing from Leslie Covington, who's the secretary of the Fort Worth Dressage Club.
2: He's doing fabulous, I have to say. He's just doing great. We've had no complications so far, and everything is going very, very smoothly.
1: This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky.
3: And I'm Mary Lordson in Harvard, Massachusetts, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
1: Well, hi, Mary, and welcome to being a co-host on the Dressage Radio Show. Great to
3: have you. Thank you so much Chris. It's an honor to be co-hosting with you today.
1: Oh, uh, well, it's going to be fun. You know, we've got a big show this week and but you know, we pretty much have fun out here every week this week. So, you know, anything, pretty much anything goes. You know, Heather, Blitz started to, and Catherine and I have been telling a joke every week. So, if you can come up some a joke as well, you know, that's <laughs> added value. No pressure here, Mary, no pressure.
3: <laughs> okay, I can't say I'm much of a comedian, so I'll have to think about that one. <laughs>
1: All right, but I know you've got a tip for us all a little bit later on in the show. We look forward to that. So um, before we go any further, for those of you who missed hearing Mary on the show just a few weeks ago, uh, Mary, tell us about your background, and I know you're studying at Emanuel College Boston uh, Business Management, I believe, but you're taking a bit of time off as well.
3: That's right. Um, well, I've been involved with horses my entire life, um, starting at the young age Um, actually, I guess I can't really say what age I started. I've been on the horses since the day I started walking. Um, my mom was really the one who, um, got me involved with the horses. And, um, so my first competition was at the age of nine and it's just gone from there. Um, as of right now, I am, I did take the semester off to go down to Florida, um, uh, during the winter season. And, um, now I am just preparing for the competition season here in New England with my horse Rosignol, Um, and we will be doing the FEI young rider test for our final year, which is bittersweet, but I'm also very excited for the future with this horse. So now it's all about training and preparation for the coming competition season.
1: Excellent. So uh, you say your final Young Riders, so you're hoping to make the team to come back to Kentucky?
3: That's right. I'm hoping Ah, to come down there.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. Well, we'll catch up with you uh, then. That's uh, not going to be far off. I mean, before we know it, it, you'll be be coming down. It's what, August, is it, Young Riders? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, the season will fly by now that we 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 really got well into sp- springtime here. But I guess it's a little bit cooler still up in your part of the country, is it, Mary?
3: Well, actually, we had a 90 degree day yesterday, but oh. earlier in, <laughs> earlier in the week it, it was the 50s. It's really the crazy spring here in New England. Wow. Well,
1: now, tell us a little bit about where your horses are based and and your training operation, Mary.
3: Well, um, my mother and I run um, our training facility called Cadence Farm here in Harvard, Massachusetts. Um, The two of us have had this partnership of training horses and uh, bringing up young horses that are sent to us um, to be sold. So we have horses that are coming in for training. My mom and I both teach off-site at local barns in this general area in Massachusetts. Um, and my mother and I both compete. That's what we're really geared towards is competition. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy teaching so much, and I'm still pretty, you know, young and new to the whole teaching thing, but I, I'm finding that I, I really enjoy it and love watching my students progress, and it's, it's really fun building up my clientele and meeting new horses and new people all the time and just, you know, the experience of teaching and training is just such an incredible one. Um, so, yeah, Cadence Farm is a great place, and I'm so happy to be here. We live right on the property, and I've lived here my whole life, so it's very special to me.
1: How many horses are you actually riding and competing every day, then, Mary?
3: Um, as of right now, I have Roz Ignall, who I mentioned. He's the top horse that I, that I compete. Um, so, really, I, I've been competing, like, two horses each season. Um, one is a sales horse, and, um, yeah, the other is Rozzy. And uh, we're actually um, in the middle of um, renovations on our farm. So we've kind of downsized for the time being. And once we put the addition on our barn, then we're hoping to bring more clients in.
1: Well, you certainly sound like you're busy. And and I guess the business management that you're studying is going to be helpful to you in running (laughs) the business, is it?
3: I'm hoping it will give me a little bit of an upper hand. I know experience is the most important thing when it comes to horses, but I think also having a degree in that department is going to be very helpful.
1: Wonderful. Well, I want to remind you all to check in uh, if you didn't hear it before. Episode forty-seven of the Dressage Radio Show, when Mary, when Mary made her debut on the show um, as the winner of the Ling contest that Karen Offield at, over at uh, Offield Farms initiated. Uh, you, you were the winner of that, and then, and and that's how we met. So I'm delighted that you you've come back to join us here on the show, Mary, and I I hope you'll have fun with it too.
3: Oh, well, thank you. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. I love this show.
1: Oh, great. Well, um, as I said, we have got a big big show. We've got two guests this week, um, but we also have a, just one item of news, Mary, before we get to our first guest, um, Leslie Covington, who uh, is the General Secretary of the Fort Worth Dressage Club and um um News this week uh, comes up from Dalmar, the CDI three-star uh, show that took place last weekend, the first weekend in May. And Stefan Peters and Ravel got off to a very good start there. They won the Grand Prix on 74.51, and then they went on to win the freestyle, uh, beating Gunter Seidel with U2 ahead of uh, Elizabeth Ball with Orion. I should tell you that uh, Stefan scored 81.3 there, Mary. You know that horse is just going from strength to strength, isn't he?
3: That's
4: right. It's great.
3: It's so nice to see.
1: And now, have you seen that horse in the flesh?
3: I have. I've seen him twice. I saw him at the World Cup in Las Vegas last year and also at the World Masters down in Florida um, when I was down there this past season. So it's, it's been amazing to see the, the pair in action. And it sends chills down your spine just watching them, especially in the freestyle. His music's fabulous, and it's just really, really fun.
1: Yeah, it, it really does send chills down your spine. And I caught up with Stefan just to say hello very briefly. He was over here at the horse park during the WEG test events. You know, Mary, we had those mm-hmm. just last week during the Rolex Kentucky three-day event. We had the test event for dressage and for jumping. That's right. And and Stefan was there on his feet and uh, just hanging out around the uh, warm-up area. And he said he had just stopped by. He'd been giving a clinic uh, in the area and he thought he'd just swing by. And take a look at the horse park, I guess check out the new facilities and uh, you know all being well and everything lining up as uh, we hope it will. Stefan will be our uh, spearheading our team uh, in our bid for world cup medals uh, world championship medals later this year, so uh, uh, we wish him well as he continues on that uh, he 's very focused training regime now between now and the team selection trial in uh, Gladstone, New Jersey, as indeed uh, our our other guest later on in the show, Leslie Morse, will be focused on, and we'll hear from her too. um You know, it, it's a, it's a very, as you know, Mary, the preparation for any competition is is very strategic, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. That's right. There's so much that goes into it.
1: There really is. Well, as I said, we're going to hear from uh, Leslie and Leslie, two Leslies on the show this week, Mary. <laughs> But before we get to Leslie Covington, who's our first guest, we're going to hear from our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products.
0: And Kentucky Performance Products is a local company that offers you the quality assurance that you are looking for for your sport horses. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities. Their ingredients are forged from highly reputable suppliers and their formulas are fixed to ensure consistency in each bucket. Kentucky Performance Products has recently unveiled their newest product called Contribute. Unlike other omega-3 supplements, Contribute contains both plant and marine sources of omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids support virtually every system in the horse's body, including the immune system, reproductive system, nervous system, bone development, and the cardiovascular system. Contribute offers horse owners, breeders, and trainers an affordable way to provide beneficial omega-3 fatty acids to their horses. Learn more about Contribute and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products. That's kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com.
1: Well, I was uh, uh, very lucky to catch up with um, Leslie Covington, who's a very busy secretary of the Fort Worth Dressage Club over there in Texas. And to find out uh, what they do over there, they have a small club, but a very successful little club running clinics and competitions. And so I I thought it would be a marvelous opportunity for us to hear um, more about the Fort Worth Dressage Club. So uh, let's uh, get Leslie uh, on the show. Hi, Leslie. Uh, welcome, and thanks for coming on the Dressage Radio
4: Show. Well, great. Thanks for having, giving me the opportunity.
1: Uh, well, as I said in your introduction, you are the secretary of the Fort Worth Dressage Club. So uh, tell us a little bit about the club there down in uh, Texas and where exactly you're located. Uh, is it, Are you right in Fort Worth?
4: Well, we hold our meetings at a restaurant in southwest Fort Worth, but actually... The members are kind of spread all over um, the western part of uh, Fort Worth, north and west and south. We're really spread out. You know, everything in Texas is kind of far apart anyway. So some of our members are several miles away.
1: And, and how old is the club and when, when was it established and, and how, how many members do you have, Leslie? Leslie?
4: I think that I haven't been a member that long, but I believe the club was formed about 20 years ago. Currently, we have 53 members. We're a very, very small GMO, but we're fairly devoted and fairly passionate about dressage.
1: And tell me about the scholarships that you have. Uh, I noticed on your website that you, you list scholarships.
4: That's correct. Yes, we do have a scholarship fund. And how we uh, build that up is that at our year-end meeting and dinner and party, we have a silent auction and everybody brings things and whatever money that we raise at that auction goes into that scholarship fund. And twice a year, members can apply for that money that we give it out twice a year and it's $350 each person a time and it can be used to pursue anything to do with dressage if someone wants to go to a particular clinic which as we all know can be rather pricey uh, they can apply for it Um, or if they just are having trouble meeting their regular uh, lesson bill or whatever they can apply for it or you know it's really just about or if they wanted to go on A trip to see you know an educational trip Um, they could apply for it and often we don't have anybody apply I don't know I think people kind of forget that we have it but this year I think we have given two out already for the, the spring season and education is really what we're all about education of our members and learning as much as we can about dressage
1: how do you raise the funds for those scholarships Leslie
4: it's uh, the silent auction at the end of the year. Okay, that's people,
1: exclusively for the silent auction, is yes, it?
4: Yes, that is exclusively for the scholarship fund, yes. And people bring all kinds of things. They bring used tack, clothing that they don't want anymore, they bring new things, they bring art, anything. Uh, one year, one of the girls that, in our club that happens to be a gourmet cook auctioned off a dinner, which... Um, was that wasn't a silent auction that was a live auction and the bidding got a little bit exciting there for a while because <laughs> everybody likes to
1: eat well clearly the Fort Worth Dressage Club has got the right idea because you have your meetings in a restaurant and you have a gourmet chef and, as a member you you've clearly got the best ideas over there
4: we certainly do and <laughs> when we had our last schooling show last fall one of the girl's husbands came with his friends and barbecued So we had a wonderful barbecue lunch for the exhibitors and if there happened to be family members around too, we're, you know, everything kind of revolves around the stomach, which is sort of like a horse. I think everything, (laughs) you know, involves around where's my next meal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us, you mentioned the schooling shows there. How many shows do you have a year, Leslie, and uh, how many of those would be schooling shows?
4: Well right now we're trying to have two schooling shows a year and we usually put on one recognized show that is a one of the two one-day shows because it's since our region region 9 is spread out so far it's hard for people to get to a lot of recognized shows to get their qualifying scores so a lot of places have the two one-day show This year we didn't have one because last year we almost lost our shirt, so we thought we'd better fall back and regroup and wait and just concentrate on the schooling show and we are going to try to have a recognized show next year. Um, It's kind of tough, but we all enjoy the schooling shows because they're very laid back, they're a lot of fun. We're putting a new wrinkle in this year. We're offering gated dressage classes as well.
1: Well, that's interesting. Uh, Tell us about that. How did that come about?
4: Well, uh, one of the um, ladies, actually our president, is a nurse practitioner, and she has a pharmacist friend that has um, gated horses. And she mentioned to Barb one time when she was talking to her that the uh, Tennessee Walking Horse Association has dressage tests and said, would you be interested in having the classes at one of your shows? And so we looked at them, and apparently, from what we can tell, at least the lower-level tests are the same as the USEF tests, except where, like, say, in a training-level test where they'll have you do a 20-meter trot circle, they would have a 20-meter flat walk circle. So they have the canter, they have the walk, they have the um, free walk, but they have the flat walk instead of the trot work. So we thought, what the heck, if one of our judges is willing to give it a go, we'll try it. And we found a judge, an L judge, that is going to do it. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Well, that sounds fun. It sounds like you're diversifying there to cater for all tastes
4: we are we're trying to involve the eventers there's a lot of eventers in this area and we're trying to um the pony club kids and you know anybody that just wants to get their feet wet without the expense of a recognized show and it can be you know i'm sure you know and the listeners know that it can be really intimidating trying to get everything together to go to a recognized show for the first time so, this gets them you know a chance to see if yeah do they do I like this showing thing or not
1: absolutely It's a very useful stepping stone. Tell us about the uh, clinics and camps that you have too uh, You would mention that that you have a clinic and you also have a camp, I believe later this year
4: That's correct. Um, we are actually getting ready to do a clinic with one of the instructors in the area. He's from Holland and has moved to Texas. And um, he's doing a low-cost clinic for the members, and um, the our our shining star, the thing that we hold out as the um, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but is our adult camp. We've had four in the past, and since most of our members are adult amateurs, what this is is a three-day event where we go to a facility and leave our horses there for the three days. And we have just, we can leave our families, leave our work, leave everything behind. And we have a a recognized clinician and we do nothing but think about dressage and our horses for three whole days. We can, we study the training pyramid. We've had lunch lessons in the past. We do ride a test. We've done um, some uh, We also have people come in and do um, exhibits, like we've had a saddle fitter, we've had an equine dentist, um, we've had someone that does yoga, specifically aimed at equestrians. And it just gives us a chance to go back a little, I think, to childhood, where you didn't have a lot of worries and you could just live your life in the barn. <laughs> and we love it, you know, because it, it's our girlfriend, girlfriends. I mean, I don't mean to be sexist, but there just really aren't a lot of men. And so, it, you know, it's our girlfriends and food and horses and laughs, and we love it. So we give the members the chance to have something to work for when they're volunteering because, you know, sometimes everybody's busy. Sometimes it's hard to get volunteers when you put on... Um, events and things, but this is something we can say, you know, if you volunteer your time, if you write a letter or a a story for the newsletter or, um, you know, help out in some way, you will have a chance to ride in the clinic. And we usually have like eight to ten people ride and, of course, unlimited auditors. And the auditors get to participate almost as much as the people that ride. I have never ridden in one, but I've gone as an auditor, and I just have always had a terrific time because the clinicians are very giving of their time, and most of them just love to teach, and so the more questions you ask, the more they teach. And it's just... An absolutely fantastic thing. I wish that I had been able to come into this when I was younger, but didn't happen, so I'm making up for lost time now, and all of our members love it.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds awful like uh, the Pony Club camp that we can remember, which was so much fun. As you said, you got away from it all, and you just thought about horses and food and, and friends with common interests. And it sounds like there's a lot of food involved at the Fort Worth Dressage Club.
4: Yes, I think Texas is <laughs> known for big, big everything, and that includes appetites.
1: <laughs> well, we should mention that that adult camp will be held at uh, Proud Meadows in Waxahachie, Texas, uh, from October 15th to the 17th uh, this year. So we wish you well with that. Uh, I'm sure you can, a good time will be had by all from all accounts, Leslie.
4: Oh, I'm sure. Oh, and can I mention one thing, too? We wouldn't be able to have this since we are such a tiny club without the help of the Dressage Foundation and the Region 9 Education Fund, because they have helped us defray the costs, and the club puts up some of the money, but we have gotten grants in the past, and that is the only way we can afford to do something like this. So we really, really thank them.
1: Terrific. Well, we will put a link, of course, on our website to your site, fortworthdressage.com. I want to thank you for sharing uh, that with us today, Leslie. Wish you all the best with your dressage club and and for your camp later on this year.
4: Well, thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate the show and glad you're there. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Well, a great little dressage club over there in Fort Worth. And now tell us, Mary, what's your local uh, GMO?
3: Well, our GMO is the New England Dressage Association, which is actually the largest GMO, I believe, in the country. Um, it's a really super organization. They're always coming up with really um, exciting um, events. We, have, um, we just had Bettina Drummond actually come and do a symposium. They're, they have a spring symposium and a fall symposium that they always put on. And actually, Stefan and his wife will be coming out for the fall symposium, which is something I'm going to try to apply for, because I've always wanted to Roger Stefan. Um, but Nita, as it's called, is really a wonderful GMO, and I think a lot of GMOs look up to um, this New England-based uh, GMO. And, uh, you know, just the organization, they have great shows and everything about it. It's a really, really super, super um, group.
1: Well, it's funny you should mention that, because we did have them, we had Paul Comia. Uh, actually, sure. on the show from NIDA uh, back in, I think it was episode 43, so uh, you can find out more about NIDA uh, which also happens to be Mary's GMO so um, we are working our way around the GMOs here, to, uh, so anyone who represents a GMO and would like to come on the Dressage Radio show all you have to do is email me chris at com, and I would be delighted to have you on and hear about your GMO well, we're going to take another short break here, Mary, before we get to our second guest this week. Um, I was able to catch up with Leslie Morse, you know, tip-top, and uh, had a terrible uh, uh, attack of colic uh, back at a show two months ago. And uh, he now he's is, is fine. He's back on the road, so to speak, and starting work again. And I was delighted to be able to uh, catch up with Leslie and share his good news with you. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to hear... Uh, from our friends, from our friend over at the Horse Radio Network, uh, Glenn the Geek. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second with Leslie Morse.
0: Glenn the Geek here, and we get many emails every week from people who really like the shows, and they ask how they can help support the Horse Radio Network. Well, you already do that by listening to the shows and by buying from all of our fantastic sponsors. And now you can add to that by supporting us directly and very easily. The next time you need something from Amazon, just go to any of our websites and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Then go on and buy your Amazon items. It won't cost you a penny more, just an extra click. But Amazon gives us a little bit back just because you clicked on the banner. Tell your family and friends to do the same thing. Every little bit helps us to keep giving you the quality equestrian programming that you have come to love. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, Mary, you know, you know, it, the the very thought of a horse getting colic, you know what that means, and mm-hmm. when when it's a very serious attack as it was with um, Leslie's uh, Tip Top, it, it put, puts us all on edge. And but we're delighted to know that uh, he's absolutely fine. He's starting to get back into work, and uh, I was able to catch up with Leslie, uh, and she was uh, able to share his story with us. So let's uh, let's hear from Leslie and how Tip Top is now recovering. Hi, Leslie. Welcome, and thanks for joining us on the show.
2: Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, the first thing we have to ask you is how Tip Top is doing after what was a very scary time for you with his uh, attack, colic attack a few weeks ago now.
2: Yes, it was a very scary time, and he's doing fabulous, I have to say. He's just doing great. We've had no complications so far, and everything is going very, very smoothly.
1: Well, tell us a little bit about that, because I know it was a heart-stopping moment for you, and you actually just caught it in time from what I've read.
2: Yes, that's true. And actually, I mean, colic is a very broad word. He had a strangulation, and he had a growth that had been living in him for since he was a, a youngster. And it was um, a lymphoma, a which is a, a lump of fat. And what happens is it usually happens on horses in their 20s or in their 30s, certainly not athletic, fit, top-of-the-game horses, you know. Um, but I think it was a blessing that um, it happened when he was so fit. I think that's helped him tremendously. And what happens is that the, the fat all of a sudden grabs a hold to the small intestine, and it suffocates it. So that's exactly what happened. And um, the Dr. Rodrigo Vasquez removed 22 feet of his small intestine.
1: Wow, well, it's amazing he, to think that you could remove so much of a horse's intestine and, and then survive <laughs> completely.
2: Unbelievable. Oh, I think they have like 80 feet of it. Wow,
1: well, yes, I know. It's yeah. amazing.
2: It really is. And then he was, I mean, I have to say, Dr. Vasquez was so phenomenal in the situation, and he chose to hand-sew the intestine back, so, which will make a huge difference, and I, and I believe that's what's made the difference, because this way it grows back to the way nature had it originally. Um, a lot of new ways to do it is they staple it, and so this was not done, and it was hand-sewn, so the opening is very large. I mean, he's just, as I said, you know, we're, all, we're going on our two months now, so this is a huge spot for us to be in, and I can actually, all the vets agree, it's time for me to get on him, and um, I can start walking him under saddle.
1: Well, that's fantastic, but I think it would be interesting for our listeners, Leslie, just to go back to the start, when you actually spotted him in the store, you were at a competition, I believe.
2: Yes, I was at Show Park, and we had, I believe it was a Thursday, we had done the vet check, and I had the best ride in the world on him that morning. I mean, it was the best he'd ever gone at a competition, and we did the vet check, that was so easy, and um, we were around the barn and my groom daughter she was unbraiding him and then she went in to get his hay and i mean within one second he started throwing himself on the ground it is an attack that happens so abruptly that um a lot of horses you can't catch them in time and they die that's that's the problem because it's immediate like they have no there's no symptoms he didn't colic It just all of a sudden grabbed a hold of the intestine, and the pain is excruciating because it's suffocating him. And he just started throwing himself on the ground, and um, I was around the corner, and she was out walking him, which I didn't know, and then the next thing I know she was screaming for me, and I came over, and she said, get the vet, you know, TikTok's colic.ing I'm going, Colicking? He's never been sick a day in his life. Um, So we ran and got the um, FEI vet, and um, Dr. Mike Tomlinson and he we he called Dr. Um, Rodrigo for us, and we were just so lucky that we were literally a mile away from the hospital, because that is what saved his life.
1: Well, that's fantastic. So obviously he went into uh, surgery and then a period of... Yes,
2: immediately, immediately, which is, again, it makes up all... Everything that happened for a horrific experience happened the best that it could happen. You know, we were a mile from the hospital. The vet was available, the top vet. You know, the surgery, we, we went right into surgery because all the time, the more time you take, the sicker the horse gets.
1: So you you had all the the best circumstances for, for his, uh, obviously, treat, immediate treatment and recovery. And how long was he in hospital there, Leslie?
2: He was in, I believe, about three weeks. We kept him there 10 days longer because I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I've never experienced the horse from colic surgery i've been so fortunate in all my years i've never had one so I, I don't really know much about it so i thought he should stay with the experts so he stayed a total i think about three and a half weeks and we just went down i went down every other day and dorta his caretaker went stayed with him every day so which i think makes a big deal a difference i think that tip top knew it you know, she hung out with him, sat outside his stall, and he would hang his head out, you know. And so I think that um, that all that made all the difference to keep, you know, keeping his hopes up. And, you know, because he, it's a big surgery. So you have to make sure that the horse doesn't get depressed and everything. And um, so to have his regular people around him, I think, really helped.
1: Well, I'm sure this is psychological welfare and emotional welfare is as important as his physical recovery. Absolutely, and you of course were well on your way. We'd had a good winter with him, and a good start to the yeah. to the to the season. Now you say you're you're on the verge of getting back on him now, and so yeah. what what's the plan now, Leslie, with him?
2: Well, now the plan is uh, he's been hand walking uh, about an hour and a half a day. And now we get to increase it. Some of the vets even think we could trot, but I'm going to take my time, you know. And I'll walk him for an hour in the morning and an hour at night and um, build back his fitness. And then he's ready to work. That's that's
1: amazing. Um, It is truly amazing. Let me ask you this. When they go in for that kind of surgery, and obviously they identified the cause of that, were they able to scan to see if there was any threats of this happening again with these fatty Tissues.
2: Yeah, no. This was a once in a lifetime thing. Wow. There, he doesn't have any problems with this, but it was just it's. What I did learn. I've learned a lot about this through this experience, and I learned that all people can get this also. Oh wow. Yeah, (laughs) along with all all animals, and it's you know it comes from a lot of times uh, children that are fat or horses that are fat as as youngsters. And they just one little lump of fat sticks with them, and you never. And usually, you see it more when the horses retire and they don't exercise and they're lounging around eating carrots and apples, and it just does that. It, it very rarely happens on such a fit athlete, and he was really trim and fit. But that's, I think, why he's come out of this so well. I mean, he. I mean, and and they made the smallest incision. It's called a bikini cut. <laughs> so you know the days that they used to cut the whole horse open don't really exist
1: more. Well, that's amazing. Well, there's a yeah. le- lesson for for us all. Uh, I think out of that. Yeah. Well, that that's wonderful to know that he's made such a fantastic recovery and, <laughs> and what what are, what are you considering for him in the, in the long term for the rest of the year then now Leslie? Uh
2: basically just bringing him back to his fitness and getting him prepared And slowly but surely, we have many months to go before Gladstone, and just taking our time and just rebuilding him. Terrific,
1: terrific. Well, let's talk a little bit about the rest of your um, barn, there, Leslie. Um, A lot of our listeners will, of course, remember the the partnership you had with Kingston. Um, What what, what's his situation now? What bring us up to date with his story?
2: Kingston's doing great. He's retired, and uh, he gets ridden every day. We go on trail rides. And uh, some days I work him a little bit in the ring, and Dorda rides him a little bit, and he has a great life. He gets turned out. He watches his, his kids go around and his youngsters that are being trained now, and um, that's kind of what he does. He gets turned out and romps around and gets to kind of do what he wants to do and enjoy it. And, and so he's sh- very lucky. <laughs> well,
1: we should mention he's a man of many wives, isn't he? Because you have a strong breeding program. I'd like to talk a little bit about that, that you used your competition horses as breeding stallions. Uh, give us a picture, yes. of, if you would, Leslie, of your setup there in California and uh, what your breeding program looks like.
2: Well, I have a very small property, um, which is, and then I also have, um, I keep my babies and my mares about two hours from me at a breeding farm. And basically what I decided to do is I wanted to use Tip Top and Kingston to, uh, to breed for future horses for myself. And instead of purchasing them, instead of going to Europe and buying horses that I don't know, I wanted to create horses that I knew from birth and been involved with their upbringing from birth and the breaking of them and the starting of them and the development of them. That's what I really enjoy. And so that's what I have done. And I have a total now of 14 horses. I have uh, 10 at my stable, and then I just have two mares. I'm down to two brood mares. One is a Kingston daughter, and another one is a rouletto um, and then I have had, I had two Phillies this year, which is very exciting, uh, because Tip Top's son is Tip Top Sterling, and he was approved Swedish, um, and with amazing scores. He had a nine, eight, nine, nine, 9, I mean, just amazing. So his first two kids just hit the ground, and they're two beautiful girls, and then I have gelded Sterling. Um, but I have semen on him, and I just decided that he is so sweet and didn't do anything to deserve it, but as a competition horse, I feel that it's easier to have them as a gelding, and I just think it's a lot less stress on them personally. Um, so I'm very fortunate now. I have two five-year-olds, one five-year-old, which is Sterling by Tip Top. I have a wonderful five-year-old by Kingston, which is Excalibur, and then I have... Four three, no, I have four four year olds, two by each, two by Kingston, two by Tip Top. And then I have two three year olds that are a mixture of Kingston and Tip Top. Their names are Kiki and Kenny. Uh, some have a Barbie and a Ken. We have a Kiki and a Kenny because they're the chosen <laughs> children. <laughs> they're out of Kingston Mares, Kingston's girls, bred to Tip Top. And then I have two wonderful um, two-year-olds, and then I have two fillies that were just born. Wow. So, um, you know, and and right now I have some really wonderful horses, and whichever that end up not to be international, then they'll be nicely trained, and I can sell them as nice amateur adults. But it's a very small breeding program. It's very select. It's um, mostly... As I said, I mean, I really picked the mares and the stallions and, and for, for the purpose of seeing if we can make our own international horses.
1: And now, which of these are you competing right now, Leslie?
2: Well, I've just started with Sterling and X. I call X-Caliber X. Um, so we haven't competed yet. We've gone to, I went to a Scott Hassler clinic who's in charge of our young horse development Program. I've taken them to a couple of developing clinics through USCF. I've just started taking them around now at five because for me, I've been so busy the last few years traveling around the world. I haven't really been able to take them to shows or anything. And and I think that at five is a good age. I don't like to do much at three years old. At two years old, we start. We bring them in home for two months once or twice a year to play with hand walk them teach them to be groomed and teach them to bathe and then at three we break them and then i usually turn them back out to grass or right now i have the two three-year-olds at home we ride them maybe twice a week and then we hand walk them in the hills um and you know so i'm very go very slow with the young horses until they're about five At five, I start working them more. Um, I feel that my horses especially, they're very big, and they need time to develop and to grow. And I feel like if we're lucky enough that they're successful, they're going to have a lot of hard work in the future. And I think that they should be children as long as they can be. So I do take my time. I do a lot of stuff on the ground. We do a lot of hand walking and, and just having them learn and go in the trailer and hang out and just kind of be real good horses.
1: Well, it sounds like you've really got your hands full there with a full barn of horses. And I know you used to travel a lot to, not just to competitions, but also to train in Europe. But So are you now basing your operations in exclusively in California?
2: Uh, yes, I do. I mean, last year I went to uh, Europe with Tip Top, and he was very successful when he won Hickstead. Um, and I trained with Kira Kirkland and everything. Um, but this year, you know, we're not doing that. We're staying at home. And I went to Florida a short time. Next year, I don't know what we'll do. We'll see. You know, but my base is at home now in California. And depending on what horses I have going, doing what, will decide where I go in the world.
1: Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've got an exciting barn full of horses there, Leslie. We want to wish you the best of luck. And hope you'll come back on the uh, Dressage Radio show later in the year and tell us how Tip Top's doing again.
2: Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Leslie. Okay bye-bye well terrific news there from from Leslie we wish her well as uh, I said you know all roads for those um, top riders um, that have a view to uh, selection of the world equestrian games all those roads lead to Gladstone New Jersey for the final selection trial this summer so uh, we wish Leslie the very best of luck and uh, now we're going to come to our uh, tip of the week Mary and I know I, and I tell you when you come on this show that you know nothing's for free you <laughs> Uh, but I think you've got a great idea for us to give us a tip of the week um, about long-haul travel, because you travel down to Florida, you said, for the winter and back up again yes. with your horse, and you learned a little bit about keeping your horse hydrated before a long-haul trip.
3: Yes. Um, it's something that's incredibly important, and um, my horse was shipped down to Florida with Phil Silva at Equine Valley. He's a fabulous, fabulous shipper and shipping service that he's started um and he had told me you know how important it, it is to prepare your horse for such a long trip when they're driving um so many miles and over a course of a few days to have them prepared um you know when it comes to uh hydration and really being sure that your horse is getting the water that they need before their big trip and also throughout um so i was told to to begin um, hydrating my horse before the trip and I, I did but I don't think I really went to the full extent that I probably should have um, you know up, upon Rosignol's arrival to Florida he did have a small bout of colic and I'm to blame I feel you know for not fully preparing him for such a um, such a big trip. Um, and, of course, uh, I learned my lesson that way. And when I was in Florida and preparing him to come back to Massachusetts, I was really sure that he was getting the electrolytes that he needed every day. Um, and also, you know, whether it's electrolytes or feeding a brand mash or, you know, giving them mineral oil to really keep them loosened up um, through their digestive tract and keep make sure that the water is able to be absorbed and all of that, um, you know, you, you've got to, it's very important to, be on top of that before your horse leaves. Um, whether you're going to a show or for a, you know, a, you're traveling far for a show, or your horse is going um, overseas or down to Florida for the season, it's just something you really should keep in mind before sending them off. So, Rozzy had a, a much smoother and more comfortable trip home, and it was, you know, he settled in with ease upon his arrival here in Massachusetts. So, you know, that's the tips from me just be sure to keep those horses well hydrated before you take them out on on the road
1: that's great advice mary thank you and we will of course add those um not only to the dressage radio show these tips but they also are shared w- with uh horse radio network's uh, tip of the week tip of the day the horse tips Ooh. daily uh which glenn the geek has a, a separate show for so um you can listen to them uh, both of them you can download them all as usual of course onto your ipod Uh, Do you download podcasts, Mary?
3: You know, I haven't done that. I I really haven't, but it's something that I'd I'd like to do.
1: I know a lot of people do that. Uh, They download the show every week. They subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so they can uh, update the subscription every week. It's free.
3: Yeah. Oh,
1: that's great. Yeah, and then they listen to it when they're driving to a show, or they're doing uh, stalls, or you know, so convenient. That's so
3: convenient.
1: Yeah, great way to spend time doing barn duties too. (laughs) 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 We hear a lot of people that listen to us. uh, while they're doing barn chores and sure. and driving to a show, so um, of course, as always, you can uh, reach us uh, here at Chris at com, and if you have any messages for Mary, I'll make sure we pass those along for her. And uh, you can also visit our fan page on Facebook, and of course, our dressage notes, uh, our notes are on the dressageradio.com. com, and the full results from the Del Mar show will be on a link uh, from our website too. And I also want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio, and you can follow me at Chris E. Stafford. And I know you tweet as well, don't you, Mary?
3: I do. I love Twitter. <laughs> it's so much fun.
1: So tell us what your tweet name is.
3: Okay, it's Mary Dressage.
1: One ah, word. That's easy to remember. Okay, well, be sure to follow Mary as well on Twitter. Now you're on uh, Facebook, surely, being uh, the new, the new. i sure am. The new media girl that you are
3: (laughs) (laughs) yes you can find me on facebook and you can also find cadence farm and become a fan on facebook as well
1: oh perfect all right well we'll be sure to put a link to your website as well on our show notes and uh, don't forget it uh, you can also reach us by voicemail 270-803-0025 and uh, i want to thank our sponsors again who make this show possible and also our backstage crew here glenn the geek and brian our editor who they Twiddle the knobs between us and between them, and they get this show out every week, Mary. So, uh, thanks to them. And I also want to mention one very special event that's coming up, Mary, in uh, just a few weeks' time. And this was a great idea of Glenn. So, kudos to Glenn here because he's had some of our para equestrian guests on the 2010 radio show, which he co hosts with uh, Samantha Clark. Well, they come up with this wonderful idea to have a para webathon. And that will take place on June 8th, and it will be live on the Internet, two hours on the Internet, live, where you'll be able to call in and contribute to the uh, para-equestrian team that um, are making their journey to the World Equestrian Games. In fact, the, uh, the title of the show will be called Journey to the 2010 Alltech FEI World Equestrian Games, the first ever para-webathon. That will be live on the Internet, on our site and on many other websites. There'll be more news of that um, as our plans unfold. It'll be a two-hour special and an opportunity to uh, call in. We'll have all kinds of people calling in. All our co-hosts will call in. You're going to join us too, won't you, Mary?
3: Of course. It's too much of a wonderful opportunity to miss out on, so I will be there.
1: Wonderful. Well, there will be a lot more news about that as our plans unfold here over the next few weeks. But uh, And we also will be getting uh, a para-equestrian guest on uh, sometime this month to talk a little bit more more about that and what the para-equestrian team are facing to make their journey to Kentucky. So all that and more. Stay tuned for more details as our plans unfold here. But make a date for your diary June 8th. Um, that will be in the evening uh, Eastern time. Well, we're just about running out of time here, Mary. Already this week, it's just flown by. <laughs> and, and and so how was it the first time for you?
3: It was wonderful. It was so much fun.
1: Good. Good. And so do you think you'll come back? We haven't put you off too much. You'll come back again.
3: <laughs> you haven't put me off at all. I'm dying to be back on the show. It's great. All
1: right. Well, we'll we'll make it a date. How about in two weeks' time, we get you back on, and uh, we'll ha- find a, a someone from the para equestrian team, uh, one of our team riders who is bidding for a uh, a place on the team. I should say, we'll have them come and join us too, and talk more about the para webathon that we have uh, scheduled and the plans for our riders as they make their bid for the world equestrian games you know it's uh, it's going to be so exciting for them to be able to do it here you know in in the u.s for the first time in a world equestrian games mary
3: yeah that's so exciting
1: uh, it really is, and it's amazing what these riders do. And um, You know, you and I are blessed to be able-bodied, and mm-hmm. and, and, and we could still get our, our way lost around a dressage test.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> <Yeah>, right.
1: <laughs> All right, Mary. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the show, and uh, I'll be back here next week. So until then...
3: Thanks for listening, and have a safe ride.